This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Monday.com, an amazing tool that allows you to work the way that work works for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Mark Schaefer. He's a globally recognized speaker, educator, business consultant, and author of books such as Known and The Marketing Rebellion. I think show we did shows on both of those books, but he's got a new book out called Cumulative Advantage, How to Build Momentum for Your Ideas, Business, and Life Against All Odds. So, Mark, welcome back to the show. John, it is always a delight to be talking to you. So you and I were talking a few months ago, well, who knows, time's going by, maybe it was a year ago, I don't know, about this new book, your idea for the new book. And you were telling me about sort of the impetus for it was this this research that you had found from the 60s that, where's the name, the Matthew effect. So yeah. you want to you kind of start there and how that led to you writing a book called The Cumulative Advantage? Yeah, well, the the, the genesis of the book is really looking at how do we stand out in this noisy world? If you look at sort of the trajectory of what I've worked on the last 12 years or so, it all kind of leads toward that. And it's not getting any easier. Even if we're doing great work, it just, it's hard to stand out. So it led me down this rabbit hole of research about momentum. If we don't have advantages like a big, powerful website or years and years of content, how can we build momentum and give us more hope to stand out? And it led me, as you said, to this research that really was started in the 1960s. Fascinating story. There was this sociology researcher named Robert Merton. He was a poor Jewish immigrant, lived in the slums of South Philadelphia, had to quit school, but every night he would walk to the Carnegie Library from his slum and he would pass these big mansions and it's just like he would wonder how did these people get there is there any way for the people in my neighborhood to be here one day against all odds he got a scholarship to college against all odds he got a phd from harvard against all odds he became a professor at columbia university and while he was there his students said dr merton it's just not fair all these tenured professors, they get all the glory. We do all the work. Then they take credit for our papers and they get more resource resources and we do all the work. The rich get richer and the poor get poor. And he, this seemed very familiar to him. So long story short, he did this research on Nobel Prize winners. And he found that indeed that these men, and they were all men at that point, had some initial advantage in their lives. They weren't necessarily the greatest scientists or the greatest researchers, but they had some initial advantage. And if you play your cards right, you can grow this advantage over your comp competition really in an unstoppable way, unless, he said, there are countervailing processes. But he didn't really tell us what those countervailing processes are. So that was my journey. That was my research to figure out if you don't have those advantages, how do you start this momentum? 
How do you create these advantages and build momentum for yourself? Well, you, you start the book talking about a, a story you, you use, Tim Ferriss, who will be certainly somebody that's known to most listeners here. And he's clearly gone on to uh, build momentum, <laughs> to, to yeah. have a, a lot of things accumulated. But I will tell you, in 2006, he hunted me down at South by Southwest and begged me to take a look at his book. Now, he would never admit that story. I'm certain of it. <laughs> yeah. But he was at one point my real point is he was a nobody so 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 what led then to the eventual was there something that made it tip in his favor well that that's why i he's such a fascinating case study because if you look his book came out when he was 29 years old and if you were if you were a, a las vegas odds maker you would never bet on this guy and i'm not saying anything that tim hasn't said himself but he, he had financial problems. He had business problems. He had relationship problems. He had health problems. He had confidence problems. And he lost his girlfriend. And he kind of dropped out of life, went to Europe, tried to figure things out. And he got this idea for a book, came back, pitched this idea for a book. It was rejected 26 times. And even after it came out, the critics hated it. This was the four-hour work week, which became, it was on the New York Times bestseller list. I think it was on the bestseller list for five years. Everything this guy touches now turns to gold. He's become an investor. He started a successful podcast. He's uh, written uh, three or four other books, sort of created this four-hour franchise. So clearly, something crazy happened to this guy. He's the, he's the most, and that's why I love it. It's the best case study ever for this idea because this guy, as you said, was a nobody and now he knows Oprah. So, so what happened in those 10 years? Now, as part of my deep dive on this cumulative advantage and Matthew effect, I did my own research to find out how are people doing it? And there were these five, basically these five things that you do and if you look at what Tim did, he did exactly those five things. So it's just it's it, it's just a perfect case study to show here's this guy zero to hero. He had to do these five things, and he had to do them consistently. So a lot of times, the old established players fall and new people rise because the old established players didn't see it coming. <laughs> Something happened in the market. The consumers now were okay with putting their credit card into the internet and buying stuff. And so so now the, the person with the cumulative advantage gets decimated. So, yeah. so what are some of these, I think you call them the seam. It's kind of like, it's this thing that opens yeah. up that allows this new player to run in. So clearly... I think we could talk about a global pandemic as being a exactly. seam. Huh? A seam is a fracture in the status quo. It's it's some unmet or underserved customer need that just sort of explodes on the scene, on the scene. And the idea is that here's the thing that I think is so encouraging, and why this is a book of hope is because there's nothing in this book that isn't doable or accessible to anyone. And I show, and these aren't just my ideas, this is demonstrated through research, that almost every personal success, almost every great business success starts with something random. But it hits a seam. The timing is right. There's a need. You test it and, and, and go. 
And then you go as fast as you can, as long as you can through that seam to, uh, to, to make money or create awareness or whatever your goal is. And th- we are in an unprecedented time of b- having fractures in the status quo. There are more startups right now than any time in American history because everything has changed. The way people are living and dining and entertaining and working out and forming relationships and educating themselves, they, that has all changed. And those are all business opportunities. So I use the example of the pandemic. That's a duh, right? Yeah. But most seams occur by little tears. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Time, right? Tiny, tiny tears. Right, and we don't see them coming. What are, yeah. some, what are some of the things? I don't think that people that grabbed a seam just got lucky. A lot of times uh, there are people that see this thing coming. How do we start looking for tears in the status quo? Well, the, the, there are things that you can do. Now, here's the thing that I struggled with in this book, that timing does matter. Timing is really important and you really can't control timing. However, there are things that you can do in terms of con- controlling, testing your idea, making sure the idea is worthy of an audience, it's worthy of a battle, it's worthy of your time and commitment. And then sometimes you can see if the seam's there through research. Sometimes you just have to give it a try. Timing is important, no no doubt about it. But you can do everything you can to be ready. So if it's open now, you go. Or maybe you need to wait. Little known fact, Thomas Edison delayed the research on the light bulb for 10 years because he saw the seam wasn't ready. The, the, the infrastructure wasn't ready. The economics weren't ready. People had been working on a light bulb for a decade before he even started. When he, he saw, now, this is the time. And he put everything he had into it and, and, and burst through that seam. You talk about this this next piece being, okay, you, you found the thing. Now you got to blow it up. I think you even used the term sonic boom. Sonic of, of boom. Awareness. But- is that just like resources or uh, is that luck? Because you, we all know cases where something blew up and you're like, why that? <laughs> There's 37 other things like that that are better. Why that yeah. one? Well, I think there could be an, an element of, of, of luck in there, of course. If someone gets discovered, maybe they're notorious or something and they're in the headlines. But this part of the book, the sonic boom part of the book, is, is I think, the most fun for me as a, as a marketing professional because I share, shed the light on research about how things go viral, how things become popular, and it's not exactly like you think. And we have just a little bit of time together, but one of the things I talk about in this book is this overwhelming power of social proof to really manipulate results. And the case study I have in the book is researchers who created this website where people could grade and download songs they've never heard before. After the first 7,000 songs, you could tell these are the top five songs. Everybody loves these songs. Then they let in the next 7,000 people. And what they did is they flipped the social proof. The worst songs, they made them the best songs. 
and they gave the reviews of the best songs to the worst songs. Now, in the second 7,000 people, instead of just listening to songs, they listened to the songs, but they could see how they were rated. The song that was the very worst song became the number two hit. (laughs) Because we don't make decisions in isolation. What other people think matters a lot to us, almost always. And so this is something that we can control. This is something that we can work on, whether it's reviews or testimonies or, or other ways to show the value of our business, to validate our business. It's, it's critically I- I- important to create that sonic boom of momentum. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. There are a lot of tools out there to help companies get work done. We recently switched over to a tool called Monday and we love it. At first I thought it was just a project management tool, but we use it in many ways to run our entire business, marketing, sales, task management, even recruiting, and certainly project management. But what I love, the real difference with this one is that it has all these automations built in. So, so much of what we need to get done can be automated in a way that we don't have to keep paying attention. If something gets checked off a list, it gets marked, moved over to done, somebody gets notified. The automations are awesome. Check it out yourself at ducttape.me forward slash Monday. One of the things that I have um, seen in in just both as a, a casual observer, but also as as being kind of in the marketing circles, is that it seems like a lot of folks that 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 had that that ambition of of getting to the higher level did a lot of in some cases shameless, but but reaching out and and trying to associate with people maybe that were that had already made it, and in a lot of cases that you mean like, you mean like Tim Ferriss. <laughs> Well, I, I, we've already beat up poor Tim enough, but I, I just, I think that I'm, I'm actually not, I'm actually not belittling that. Uh, no, I'm not either. Yeah. And look, Tim is a brilliant man and he's a hardworking man. And so uh, I, I believe yeah, the, big, the biggest joke is that the four hour work week is, is not, is not a plan he follows, but yeah. <laughs> he, he works. Yeah. He's, he's really, he's, he's, he's kind of backed off all of that. He's, he's had a big shift in his, in his narrative these days but 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 what he was demonstrating when he was pursuing you and others and this is something i documented in in the book that he was reaching out and reaching up he was trying to find people who could drive this momentum for him and he recognized i don't have the time i don't have the resources to reach the whole world but i can reach a certain amount of tech professionals who are tired of working 18 hours a day. They're getting burned out. They want a different lifestyle. Who can reach them? Tech bloggers. So he focused basically on tech bloggers and just said, can you help me? Can you help me? Work the room, gave them gifts, work to befriend them. And when the book came out, they were really sort of flattered and honored to be recognized and get this book. It was a big deal. And, and that really propelled the book. That really got the momentum going because the book publisher wasn't really behind the book yeah. until he got the momentum going. And he did that on his own with almost no money. 
I'd suggest the title didn't hurt either. It was so aspirational. And we people have probably heard other titles that were considered for that that book that would certainly not have made it the book that it is today. The, the last point that you have is, is the constancy of purpose. And I do think that uh, a lot of times people underestimate consistency and and a frame a point of view that you stick with. I've seen so many people the last decade or so that want to be first movers in this platform or early adopters of this and tell yeah. everybody how to do it and and then that then plurk or whatever goes goes away and all of a sudden they're like left to rebuild. And the people that I think have have maintained some longevity, yourself included in this, are people that have kind of kept a point of view that's consistent, even if uh, new new toys and, and you know, tactics yeah. and things show up. Well, I, so I, I'm very happy with where I am in, in my career, in my life and the presence I have in, in the world. But one of the things that I can directly attribute that to is I have written a blog post every week. I had written a blog post every week for 650 weeks in a row. And it, it's easy to say, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm not going to do it this week. Yeah. Uh, I had blogged ahead. So I knew if I was tired or sick, I still had content. And I earned a place in my audience's lives. And so this was the discipline. Constancy of purpose, a lot of it is discipline. There are, there are two disappointments in life. One is I've got to do this 650 weeks in a row. That's hard. But the other one is disappointment. And I did everything I could. I put my heart into every blog post, podcast, book that I write. There's one thing in my brain, and that is when I create this, I will never let you down. That is my discipline. And at the end of the day, if I failed, I can't be that disappointed because I did everything I knew to do. I was disciplined. I was consistent. I put. I, I, I went through the seam as fast as I can, as long as I could. Maybe it still doesn't work, but I did everything I could in my control. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a message not everybody wants to hear that you got to show up, work hard and, and keep showing up. But but that you can boil a lot of success down to to that idea, can't you? Yeah, if you if you look at the people that we admire in this space, they're not overnight successes. They, they've worked hard for years and years and years. The example I gave in my book was the rock band, the Black Keys, one of my favorite bands. And I got to hang out with them when they were just just breaking out. And I talked to Patrick Carney of the Black Keys and I said, what, what was it? What was that pivot? What made the change? He said, there wasn't one. Right. He said, we've been, we've been touring for seven years. Yeah. We've made seven albums. And I think it was about 18 months after I saw them in an auditorium with like, you know, maybe 2000 people, maybe 18 months or two years later, they were selling out Madison Square Garden. And everybody goes, oh my gosh, they came out of nowhere. No, they worked for nine years. <laughs> I, I have uh, more than, but more than just one. Said, he said, every concert's a little bit better. Every album's a little bit better. You just do a little bit better week by week by week. And that's that's what it is. I have used Lonely Boy for my walk-up song more than once. Uh, I'm so <laughs> a fan as well. So Mark, tell people where they can find out more about Cumulative Advantage or anything they might want to know about Mark Schaefer. Well, Cumulative Advantage is available on uh, Amazon in all your favorite forms. 
You can find out more about me and uh, you can actually get a lot of bonus content on this book. I've created like a study guide with different chapters you can think about if you want to use this in a book group or something like that. It's very useful. There's a lot of free resources at businessesgrow.com. You can also find my blog, my podcast, and lots of other free, interesting resources, businessesgrow.com. Awesome, Mark. Well, thanks for stopping by once again to the Duct Tape Marketing uh, Podcast. And uh, hopefully when we uh, all get back out there on the road again someday, we'll be able to see each other in real life. Let's hope that soon. Thanks. Always a delight, John. All right. That wraps up another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to share this show. Feel free to give us reviews. You know, we love those things. Also, did you know that we had created training, marketing training for your team? If you've got employees, if you've got a staff member that wants to learn a marketing system, how to install that marketing system in your business, Check it out. It's called the Certified Marketing Manager Program from Duct Tape Marketing. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that tab that says training for your team. 